This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. God wrote a book. That reality blows me away every time I stop to think about it. Pages and pages of God, His thoughts, His words, His heart right there, just a few inches away. But that's not always what we see and feel when we open the Bible. Our weak, tired, distracted eyes look and all we see is a lifeless, boring portrait on the wall. But it's not a portrait. It's a window. It doesn't hang lifeless in an old frame on the wall. It breaks through the wall into another world, the real world, the lasting world, the better world. And through this window shines a divine light that changes everything around us. These are the words of John Piper, and they beautifully illustrate the power of this book and the light it reveals. That power and that light is underscored for us in 2 Kings 22, and on today's podcast, we'll consider the power of this book for one king of Judah and for our lives today. 2 Kings 22 verses 10 through 13 read, Then the court secretary, Shaphan, told the king, The priest Hilkiah has given me a book. And Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Then he commanded the priest Hilkiah, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Akbor, son of Micaiah, the court secretary Shaphan, and the king's servant Asiah, go and inquire of the Lord for me, the people, and all Judah, about the words in this book that has been found. For great is the Lord's wrath that is kindled against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words of this book in order to do everything written about it. In 2 Kings 22, we read the story of one of the good kings of Judah, one of the last ones, in fact. It's King Josiah. Josiah was made king when he was eight years old. And though it's debatable how much power an eight-year-old king had in Judah, it's clear that by 26 years old, chapter 22, verse 3, he is in full charge of the kingdom, for he orders the remodeling of the temple. It had fallen into disrepair in recent years, due presumably to the worship of other gods in other places. We learn in chapter 23 just how many worship shrines there are in and around Jerusalem, because it takes the whole chapter to destroy all of them. Nonetheless, during the remodeling process and the cleaning out of the temple, they find the book of the law. It's saddening to see that these people had fallen so out of touch with their God that they only find the book of the law when they're cleaning out the spaces of the temple. Should they not have been examining it daily? But these people had drifted so far from God, they didn't even know where the scroll was much less what it said. The priest who had become so corrupt, see Isaiah and Micah, 
had no genuine interest in this book. When they bring it to jo Josiah, they simply call it a book. But when Josiah finds it, he has it read and repents with sackcloth and ashes. Now consider this for a moment. This book is an antiquated volume that hasn't been read in ages. It's entirely out of step with their culture and their lifestyle. It flies in the face of the status quo in so many different ways. Nonetheless, it is the word of the covenant that God made with his people. And in an incredible act of bravery, Josiah is brokenhearted in repentance for how these people had transgressed this law. I can imagine even the priests were rolling their eyes at the thought of the king tearing his clothes after reading this out-of-touch and old-fashioned book with its out-of-step morals and its unnecessary commands. At least that's the way they saw it. But that did not stop Josiah from just reading the book, but also repenting and choosing to obey it. Does this not speak to us of how potent the word of God should be? Consider the people's response when Nehemiah had the word read in the ears of the people. They stand all day to listen to it with weeping and great repentance. We pastors sometimes get duped into thinking that it is our creative approach or our clever turn of phrase or our witty stories that enact the power of God. But there was no preacher there. There was no pulpit there. There was no homiletical gymnastics there. It was the simple reading of the word of God that convicted the heart of the king. God's word holds the power, not the one preaching it. I mean, the priests didn't even believe what they were reading, but it was God's word that brought the king to repentance. And the same is true today. Listen, we live in a culture that has largely forgotten the morals and decrees taught in God's law. Even the church has drifted, much like the people of Israel had, from its foundation on the word of God. And we instead turn to the idols of church growth plans and smoke and mirrors and lights. While these things aren't necessarily bad, they can't be the foundation of our ministry. The proclamation of the Word of God must be central to the church's ministry if she is to be healthy and effective according to God's standards. The Word buried under mounds of rubble in the temple today runs the risk of being buried under the new fads and trends. We have to be careful not to throw out the baby with the bathwater. We must be willing to not only uphold, but believe a book that is out of step with society, a book that seems out of touch with the prevailing culture of our day. Are we willing to, at the risk of the corporate eye roll of the world, repent of our carnality and walk uprightly according to the covenant promises found in the word of God? Are we willing to take a stand to destroy the strongholds and idols of this present world? Am I ready to topple the Asherah poles of materialism and lust in my own life? Am I willing to cut down the high places of amusement and entertainment? Do we value the book the way Josiah did? Are we willing to risk our lives and our kingdoms to adhere to it, even if it appears out of step with society? Time will tell how vigilant we are in this regard, as our society drifts more and more towards secularism. This book will be castigated as less and less relevant. Will we uphold it? Will we love it? Will we study it? 
Will we teach it? Will we obey it? If we do, it will cost us something. There was a time where following the morals outlined in God's word would have gained us societal capital. But now it will cost us to follow Jesus. Maybe it should have all along. Following Jesus means bearing crosses. Crosses that will only get heavier as the days march on. But one day, that cross will lead to a crown. Will we be ready? Time will tell. So Jesus, thank you for your word. Help us to heed it, to repent because of it, and to make the changes necessary to follow it, even in a world where it is unpopular. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.